Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome to TV Concierge, a daily podcast where ringer staffers help you navigate the crowded TV landscape. I'm Chris Ryan and today I am joined by ringer staff writer Rob Harvilla. What's up, Rob? Yo, it's, it's an honor to be here. Is this your first comedy special edition of this podcast? It is. I, I right. kind of, people can't see us on Zoom, but if, if they could, they'd see that I was like holding a mic and making a, what are you talking about face? And it says, Chris Ryan, raw and unfiltered. It's very uh, convincing. Yeah. We're here to talk about um, some of our favorite Netflix specials. Obviously, one of the nicest things, well, there's many nice things about the Netflix platform, but the steady clip of stand-up specials has been just really like great to have because you can kind of just mix and match and pick and choose the ones you want. And there's always like a new one in there. And surprisingly, sometimes like from big, big names, I mean, obviously there are some people like Chappelle who have gotten a lot of headlines, but Rob and I are here to talk about two of our favorite recent ones, Patton Oswalt's I Love Everything and the new Jerry Seinfeld special. Which one was that called? Uh, 23 Hours to Kill. 23 Hours to Kill. So Rob, let me ask you about Seinfeld first because you wrote about this for the site. Would you call yourself like a Seinfeld stand-up scholar going into this? Scholar would not be the right word. I'm a Seinfeld agnostic. Like as a child of the 90s, I've absorbed like massive amounts of Seinfeld. You know, like I watched a decent chunk of the show in real time. Like when he puts the Pez dispenser on Elaine's knee at like the the player. Like that's my favorite Seinfeld moment. But just if you were growing up in that time, you just you had Jerry Seinfeld's voice in your head for so much of your life, even if you've never voluntarily absorbed any Jerry Seinfeld content. And so I'm sort of walking around with that. And I, I you remember that movie Comedian? Sure. That he put out. It, everybody has this realization, and I wish it were earlier in my life. But you—that was the movie that made me realize that like stand-up comedians are the most miserable people alive. Like not miserable to be around, but like miserable within themselves. Like they're just—they're so ridden with anxiety, and they're so grouchy, and they love what they do, but they hate doing it. Like that's just—I—I—that I, movie. I don't remember much specifically about that movie except walking out with just that feeling that like being a stand-up comedian, even like a famous stand-up comedian is like the worst thing in the world like you just you're never satisfied no matter how rich and famous you are even on Seinfeld's level I feel like stand-up comedians had Twitter before Twitter was invented (laughs) like they they are living in that feedback loop of negative reinforcement of constant self-doubt and self-loathing and they just manufacture content out of it when it comes to Seinfeld as a stand-up He's not only kind of like an expert at it, but he is also mm. something of a of like a historian and a, right. a kind of protector of that. Did you get the sense when you were watching 
this latest special like you were watching kind of a master at work? I kind of was in a way like I love watching comedy specials, especially on Netflix. And like what I love about them usually has very little to do with the actual content, like what they're saying and what the jokes are. It's just the rhythm and the melody of that person's voice and like the perfect feedback loop of like joke, you know, crowd reaction, another joke. Like it's, it's not, I don't watch them in the same way that like you watch Netflix while you fuck around on your phone or like watch the office while you're cooking dinner or whatever. But there's just, there's something very soothing about the ambient quality of, of listening to a Netflix special or a comedy special, HBO, Amazon, whatever that, that I enjoy regardless of whether like this is this person best work or like even if these jokes aren't particularly funny so like 23 hours to kill is nowhere near jerry seinfeld's best work like as it's a, not as his a, apex mountain i would not say so i don't understand what that concept is either but it's not a, his apex. yeah right so I, I don't know what apex mountain is but i know that this is not jerry seinfeld's apex mountain but it's still you can still tell it's a master at work that just the rhythm and the melody is so perfect and you can picture seinfeld's voice in your head and he does a perfect seinfeld and like he's super grouchy and it's like this isn't his fault at all obviously but like the first five minutes of this special are just Jerry Seinfeld going like don't you hate going out don't you hate going to shows don't you hate going to restaurants don't you hate seeing your friends and touching other people and it's it's just it's just like the perfect worst timed thing to put out into the world in the spring of 2020 and it's it's he's just so aggrieved like I I, I just made a list of things that he complains about like I Let's don't know if it. this is the proper okay this is in no particular order um People who text him K instead of OK to save time. Buffets, which are a subset of restaurants. Yeah. Um, voicemail messages that tell him to wait for the beep, which he finds insulting because he knows at this point to wait for the beep. It's been like 20 years. Uh, the fact that the word mail is still an email, despite there being no mail component to an email. For that sure. Was, that was confusing. Uh, the post office, also poorly, poorly timed. <laughs> Porta potties. Um, cars with dual climate control systems, which he regards as frivolous. Movie theaters that ask you to clean up after yourselves. Um, automatic sinks in restrooms, ventilated bathroom stalls, like so you can see the feet. Uh, yeah. The phrase, it is what it is, uh, just in general. <laughs> and finally, his wife. Solid 20 minutes on his wife as like the climactic. And it's just, it's another master at work moment where it's just Jerry Seinfeld is a classic comedian in the take my wife, please. Yes fashion you know like i i I read an old interview with him today like talking about he was praising hannah gadsby's nanette and like the way that it's pushing comedy forward and like what a comedy what a stand-up comedy special can be now is much broader than when he started out and jerry seinfeld thinks that's great but jerry seinfeld is not going to do anything like that jerry seinfeld is going to just tell jokes about how annoyed he is for an hour and like probably 30 percent of that is going to be you know about his wife which he's they've been together forever they have three kids he loves her very much you know but it's still jerry Seinfeld saying stuff like, you know, marriage is just two people trying to stay together without saying the words, I hate you. Yeah. You know, and like the, the Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> voice gets that over. And like it, it has the rhythm and the form and just the melody of a joke. And it registers as a joke. And it seems very funny, but it just the aftertaste by design at this point, like there's no way he's not aware of it, is just is just bitter fundamentally. It's so strange that we could go back to 1997 and see him and see him when he was sort of when he was one of the most popular people in the country if not the world. Yeah. And then think about how Larry David who was just essentially in the shadows of of Seinfeld and was only really known by people who are close followers of the show. Right. Has kind of like just completely eclipsed him in terms of I think 
being the appropriate character mm-hmm. for that for that style of comedy. It's right. like for some reason when Jerry Seinfeld tells jokes about what he's annoyed about, you can really admire the formal accomplishment of it. And he is funny. Like that's, yeah. this isn't like an evaluation of that, but there's something almost weirdly like churlish about the way Jerry Seinfeld does it. Whereas when Larry David does it, it's right. just an amazing character and an amazing bit. Speaking of people being annoyed by stuff, you and I also watched Pat Oswalt's most recent uh, yes. special. I love everything. It's his first one since 2017. And he's obviously gone through a lot of uh, personal tragedies since that but mm-hmm. when you watch this special uh, you know I am taken back to the moment where I first heard his stand up he has such a distinctive delivery and yeah. even though you know, he obviously is t- somebody who cares a lot about not repeating himself and changing things up a little bit and he he's talked about how he could probably do the KFC sadness bowl bit <laughs> for the rest of his life and have a, a pretty good career but when you hear him do these new routines and he opens up this special with just an incredible thing about what cereal is like, which is yes. which is like you're watching it and you're like, I know what he's going to say. Right. Because I also feel that way about cereal. <laughs> and as he gets into it, it's like watching an older athlete get warm on court. You know what I mean? Like, right, you're just like, right. oh, he's still got it. Like, it's but, still so much funnier when he says it than right. when I think it about beige cereals <laughs> made of amaranth flakes. amaranth yeah yes. and and his observational wit is just so sharp his self-deprecation is so funny right and you just feel like you're like oh yeah like i remember now like back in 2003 or 4 when he would put out records on sub pop and we would was, listen to them at the record store that i was working at and you're yeah. just like it's the same guy right i i put him mentally in that category of like all comics came up in like the 2000s, mid 2000s, and they put out records on Sub Pop, like Sarah Silverman, David Cross, Eugene Merman, and they were like kind of goofy and kind of grouchy, you know, and they'd riff on pop culture and they're kind of surrealist and kind of traditionalist, but they're now all more or less 50 yeah. or thereabouts. And, you know, they're established, you know, like Patton Oswalt, like great in Ratatouille, you know, really good in young adults. Like they're all established and like famous within their own spheres, people, you know, but they're, they're still masters of this particular kind of standup. It's not like Radio City Music Hall or like Beacon Theater level fame necessarily, but they're so good at it. You know, and they just it I just was making a list of like the references that he makes, you know, which is like this perfect mix of like high with just a little bit of low. It's like Takashi Mike and like Suicide Squad and Cabaret and Roxy Music and Anias Nin and Nick Cave and like Star Wars, of course. Like I think my single favorite Pat Oswalt thing is like the Parks and Rec filibuster that he does like yeah the community like he just he just pitches a new Star Wars movie for like ten minutes for some reason and like he, yeah. he's got, what did you make of he doesn't do a lot of political stuff. Like he has a few, he reliably does a couple of jokes about how you can't make jokes about the Trump era. Like, I feel like he's done that in a few of his specials now, but like he, he goes into me too for a second and he goes really specifically into like men who jerk off in front of women. Yeah. And he, he of course never says it, but like there within his circle, like there's no way to read that, but as yeah, a there's no direct, ambiguity that he's ta- who he's talking about. It's, it, it's exactly. obviously Louis. Yeah. I thought it was, you know, I mean, it was definitely probably you talk about the ambient haze that you can watch these things in. That's right. the that's definitely the one that made me like click the 15 second back <laughs> just to make sure I heard it. Yes. Uh, I, yes. I thought it was incisive for sure. And, it, you know, right. I think a lot of people. It's interesting what you were saying about the, the Seinfeld one coming out and obviously him having seemingly 
a litany of complaints that are no longer valid. Like, you know, it's like buffets have been taken care of, Jerry right. Seinfeld. Yeah. You don't have to worry about them coming back. But this one seemed actually pretty prescient. The the Patton Oswalt special, I thought, felt very not of the moment in terms of of the of the pandemic, but of the moment socially and politically. What did you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it, he sort of ends it with lengthy riffs on like both Jesus and Denny's. And those are like, those are solid, you know, yeah. again, like this special is not necessarily his best work either. But yeah, I mean, I think there's always been a fundamental sort of weariness and grouchiness, you know, and resignation, but like finding joy where I can find joy to Patton Oswalt that I think is very well suited to this time. Like he, you know, it's his, his wife passed away in I think 2016 and like he did a really intense special like about that and about grief and like sort of busted the format in its own way. But he's since remarried. And I, I was struck by, he described his wife as this poem of a woman who relit the sky, you know, and then he goes yeah. on to tell some story about her, but just that there are these concentrated moments of joy, of happiness of just freshness to him that make him seem much younger, you know, than the 50 he keeps telling us that he is. Well, he's such an interesting guy. He's actually quite representative of like a larger trend in popular culture where I think Patton probably saw himself, probably if if I'm being honest, not unlike how I probably saw myself in the late 90s or the early 2000s. And I'm sure you probably share this where it's like the stuff I like and the stuff I'm a nerd about is probably never going to be popular. And it's always going to be just me and my three weird friends who like these kinds of movies or these kinds of bands or these right. kinds of shows. And then somehow wound up making a career out of that stuff. And I think right. that there is still a part of him that is that like I'm the guy in the record store who's just kind of like writing things down for my own amusement. I'm not like, right. and, and that like his relationship to his larger fame and his relationship to probably being a public figure he still has that poetic streak. He still has right. that, like that weird literate streak that I think has always been a really key part of his comedy, even if it's not always the quote unquote funniest thing. Right. I both of these specials, Oswald and Seinfeld, I thought a lot about Dave Chappelle. Like I've I've watched every Chappelle Netflix special, and like none of it is his best work. And like I don't think anyone, including him, is misled about it. And like that's a master at work, even if the material is bad, which often it is. Like yeah. just the rhythm and the melody and just him saying something, you know, when he yells, you know, when he whispers, just the quality of his voice. It's just it's so perfect. But like every Chappelle Netflix special has like 30 seconds, you know, where he says something ill-considered about like trend gender people about like Louis C.K.'s accusers being brittle spirits. And then, you know, there's a huge reaction to that. And some of it is tossed off Twitter stuff. But like at The Ringer, like our colleagues like Micah Peters and Allison Herman have written very thoughtfully about that. But then Dave Chappelle takes offense to people taking offense to him. And then his next special, you know, yeah. has 90 seconds of him take, and he's just, he's caught in may this the, May the circle loop. be unbroken. Yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's, and it's, it's keeping him, I, I don't necessarily want him to innovate or whatever. I don't even know what that would mean, but it's, it's keeping him from doing fully what he does best. And I, yeah. Seinfeld is inhibited in a, in a less sort of alarming way in that sense but but Patton Oswalt doesn't seem inhibited by any of that at all even though he can be himself like an extremely online person you know it's just you're watching somebody that just seems to have a healthy work-life balance and like internet IRL balance and you sure. know that that is another thing that's that's a very pleasant experience to have right this second well, I think, you know, the funny thing is, is we, as, as we wrap this up, I mean, you and I are talking about three people who probably have made us laugh, three or four people <laughs> who have made us laugh more than anyone else in the world, Patton Oswalt, Dave Chappelle, Jerry Seinfeld. And 
we're almost talking about these specials the way we would talk about an athletic performance. It's like there is an obvious right. baseline of like excellence in yes. what these guys do. And they're so funny and so mm-hmm. good at what they do that it's actually kind of fun to kind of take a ride on and just be like, oh, I thought he could have done that one better or that one right. was over the line or I wonder how people will feel about that. It actually almost is a replacement for sports. Yeah, I mean, I just I got to that last uh, the last dance episode with Seinfeld in it, and there's yeah. that, that that footage of Seinfeld and Jordan, and they both look just so dour and sad and like downtrodden and just sort of grouchy, and it's just, it's just it's a perfect loop between them. But yeah, it's like it's watching the Jordan era Bulls like play, you know, the Orlando Magic or whatever. Like yeah. you know, it's it's this isn't their greatest competition, this isn't their finest hour, but you there's still plenty of that master at work feel to it. And there's such a low barrier to entry because if you're already watching Outer Banks and everything and Ozark and everything else, you might as well just kill 45 minutes by watching these guys. All right, we'll wrap it up there. So that's Patton Oswalt, I Love Everything, and Jerry Seinfeld, 23 Hours. 23 Hours to Kill. To Kill. They're both on Netflix and uh, the Chappelle ones are obviously both there and you can just keep firing up Netflix stand-up specials as they come along. Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Matt.